0: Herzog, the voice of Har.
1: You may never again spend a night away from home after you spend a night with Ida and Vincent. Hider will
0: show you the way. You want us to uh, register? No, that won't be necessary.
1: Your most terrifying nightmare could never prepare you for what happens to the guest. Vincent. You think in the years to come, people will appreciate us for what we're doing here? I have a surprise for you. (laughs) Oh, goody, I love surprises. One after another, they come. (laughs) One after another, they check in. (laughs) And pray for the day they can check be admitted after the guests check in.
0: Alright, here we go. Hello everyone, this is Gruesome Herzog. My very special guest today is actor Paul Link. You might not know who he is, but after I tell you, you're going to know exactly who he is. He played Sheriff Bruce Smith in the classic cult horror film Motel Hell. Now, i also like to mention, he was in a TV series from 1977 to 1983. It's a classic t- to today. The TV series Chips, and he played the character of Grossman. So check this interview out. It's going to be very exciting to hear. Paul, how are you? I'm
2: good, Scott. How about you?
0: Great. Thanks for coming you on. If you don't mind
2: if I call you Scott. It's a little rough to call you
0: gruesome. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't, know you, well. I don't know you well I enough to call you gruesome. <laughs> I don't mind it at all. I'm just, <laughs> Really excited to have you on here. Um, well, thank you. No problem. I mentioned on Facebook about a day ago, and I mentioned about an interview that's going to really throw some interest to a lot of 40 and above people. And, obviously, Motel Hell in 1980 and the TV series Chips. Now, I have to ask you, Motel Hell, to me, is a cult classic with a lot of horror fans. And I'm just dying to ask you, what was it like to work with the classic gentleman. Rory Calhoun.
2: Well, hey, first of all, uh, thank you for your compliments about Motel Hell. I uh, was really thrilled to be in that movie, and Rory Calhoun was—he uh, was old school. You know, he was a consummate actor. I think probably underrated by the general populace, and and actually, when we did Motel Hell, he was still sort of struggling with the after effects of having been falsely. Uh, it was. It said in some article that he had cancer, which hurt his career. Wow! Because people were reluctant to hire him, and he, and he you know, he was still struggling under this false uh, media diagnosis. But uh, he was so down to earth and so simple. And you watch his work in that movie. Uh, I, I was just so impressed with his ability to play that tongue-in-cheek stuff that he got to play. I mean. His last line, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was hysterical. The guy really knew how to play the comedy.
0: Yes, and you know, there's a bunch of classic people in that movie. Um, Wolfman Jack, of all That's people, right. Reverend That's Billy on,
2: on the on the TV talking all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and John Ratzenberger from later on. Yes, the cheers.
2: Who, who hadn't quite got found his? You know, the director uh, Kevin Connor. An Englishman, and uh, he knew Ratzenberger and they already had a relationship. So uh, he got John that part, and of course John went on to what a job you had with Cheers.
0: Huh? Yep, heck yeah, and and Nancy Parsons, Ida Smith. I mean, you yeah, talk about was, <laughs> you talk about two creepy people. I
2: you? mean, Rory and Nancy <laughs> together were quite. You know, they were my family. Yeah, <laughs> they were
0: know. my brother and sister. That's uh, amazing. But you know, it's funny. Now, last I heard, I don't know if you heard or not. They're thing about making. And by a... the
2: way, the last line in the movie was, "I use preservatives." So I didn't fulfill that.
0: But, oh, I'm sorry. You know, You're right. Lori sold that with,
2: with uh, <laughs> his, his last dying breath. You know, and, and he always played it so straight. <laughs> he is. I mean, really, he it's a it's a it's a it's a true comic performance that one should.
0: Uh, if one wants to know how to do a true comic performance watch him in that movie it's amazing I mean Roy Calhoun I see him in a lot of films you know and see him in his movie it was kind of odd because I don't know if he ever did much horror did he? I don't think he did
2: I don't think he did either and I think he he took it because I think he needed work as all actors need you know Uh, no matter who you are you know it's you want you you gotta get another job and I think the character was perfect
0: and you know he he carried that movie. Yes, he did. And it, again, it's fantastic. And the last rumor that I heard, I hope it's not the case. But the thing about remaking Motel Hell, have you heard of that?
2: I have heard that. Uh, there has been discussion of it. Um, and, but nothing's happened. And even I heard, are you ready for this? <laughs> At one point I heard they were going to remake it as a
0: musical. Oh. Pretty far out concept, huh? Pretty, yeah okay <laughs> whatever. But um, of course,
2: I went to college with Robert Jaffe, who was one of the two uh, writer producers of the film. Okay, and, uh, and was quite helpful in, in the beginning of the movie. Uh, but uh, he, you know, he, I, I pushed him. I said, "Couldn't I be, you know, couldn't I still be holed up somewhere in the basement of the motel?" <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know.
0: But I don't think we're, I don't think anything's going to happen with that. I don't think there
2: really will be anything.
0: Well, fantastic film. I mean, a classic, and it's still big and a lot of horror reviewers and fans out there. But
2: this is not it a. Makes ho- me, it still makes me laugh when I hear think of Rory standing out in the field, you know, with all those heads, yeah. buried, you know, slurping the cream corn mix, which is their feed, and he turns to Ida and says, "Ain't that a." good sound
0: I know uh, (laughs) what's that fritters it it, uh, it
2: takes all kind of fritters to make farmer Vincent fritters or
0: meats meat man's gotta eat (laughs) it's amazing (laughs) you know it's funny what's so creepy about that film I think it's because of what your sister and brother was doing and here you are the sheriff right right and that really it's amazing I mean it's a good film Great film, and it's going to go down as a classic. And I just hope that no remake, especially if it's going to be a musical, yeah. that's going to ruin the uh, yeah. I don't, the it's legacy. I, right. You know
2: what? I, what I remember about it is that I had to go on a diet because I'm supposed to be the quote hero. I was telling someone this last night, and I would, you know, three times a week I would drive like 90 minutes each way to go to this place that would wrap my abdomen in various herbal leaves and saran wrap and then like steam me and then I you know wore a girdle anything I could do to look you know as fit as I could look right and the New York Times in their review called me and I quote
0: somewhat sexy Uh, (laughs) you know it's funny you mention that I didn't even realize that was you at motel in motel hell at first because such a difference from chips to uh, motel hell yeah
2: well, yeah, and actually, because I was already on chips when that was happening, right? But, uh, we were when we made Motel Hell. My first, my first son Jasper had just been born, and I remember it was really hard because there was so much night shooting and you know not getting any sleep with the baby. And there was, I remember one night, I didn't even come home. I went to a hotel because I had to sleep. You know? Right? Night shooting is is I don't know if there are any actors who actually like it. It's it's brutal. You know, when you go to work. At five at night. I mean, people who work the night shift know this. But you know, you, you, as an actor, you, you you sit around so much, you wait so much for the lighting and for everything else to be ready, and uh, you know, you sit around all night. It just gets to be very. I, I
0: find it very debilitating. Oh. well, I'm going to write off a date to you. Yeah. And you probably should know it. September 16th. I mean, excuse me. September 15th, 1977.
2: We know, It's funny, because on Facebook this week, I got a, a note about that, that it was the, I want to say, 34th uh, anniversary of the first airing of Chips. And I remember that night. I wasn't on Chips in the very beginning. Uh, they brought me in after 11 episodes. And I remember, because I knew Larry Wilcox from the commercial circuit, we'd all, you know, we'd go out of commercials. He'd get everyone. You know, he was the all-American boy Yep. Midwest looking, you know, and uh, I didn't really know well, but I, you know, occasionally I get him, but he got most of them, and uh, so I went, oh, Larry, that's, you know, the next step in his career, look, he's got a series, so I, I watched it, and I remember thinking to myself as I was watching the episode, I turned it on sort of midstream, and he and Eric had a scene where they were directing traffic, and Eric was talking about how much he loved junk food, and john was talking about how much he liked health food and i <laughs> went oh my god this show is awful and within a week i was on it <laughs> it was so bizarre I, you know i had um it's just one of those things and um they brought me in they wanted humor and uh, the casting director gary Schaefer, had seen a movie that i'd done called moving violation mm-hmm and that's with Stephen McCaddy and Kay Lenz and it only played a week. And uh, I had a I played a funny cop in it, and the casting director remembered me from that movie and brought me in. I never auditioned uh, for Chips, you know. It, I didn't go to the network. All those things. Times I've gone to the network, nothing's happened. But I basically walked into a room of people and, and made them laugh. And uh, next thing I know,
0: I was uh, a regular on the show. And, and you your character was Grossman, Grossman. Arnie yeah. Grossman and i want to tell or, you something actually he was yeah Arthur Grossman yep
2: and then one day on the set Larry called me Grossy and that that became my sort of nickname so I almost called me Grossy and a uh,
0: fantastic was,
2: series uh, you know I made some great lifelong friends on that series you know uh, Robert Pine who plays uh, Sergeant Gutierre uh, one of my longtime, lifelong friends and Bertie Greer who played Berixa yep you know we've stayed pals all these years and I, you know occasionally I'll, I'll hear from Eric I Eric was always very good to me and uh, he loved my late wife a lot in fact oh. he named his daughter after my late
0: wife which I always was quite touched about fantastic you know we're going to get into that very soon but yep Chips um like a lot of listeners and viewers my age, they can't deny it that they did not watch Chips. It's one of the biggest TV series. I was nine years old when it deb- debuted, and we watched it every week until it yeah. ended. I can remember when Larry Wilcox left the year before the show ended. Yeah. That was so. not, that was unfortunate.
2: Uh, Should have happened. Uh but it did, and you know that last year was sort of. I actually, I had my best parts in the last year, but you know, I was always aware people were tuning in to watch Larry and Eric and the bikes. You know, we all all of us sort of contributed in the ways we did, but uh, that once that chemistry was uh, interrupted, uh, you know, we were heading we were heading into the what I call the TV star graveyard.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of chips, um, they made a remake. TV get Chips
2: 99?
0: Yes. If you want, um, you can give the listeners an idea. i would never seen this. I would love to find it and watch it. But give the listeners an idea to refresh them. It came out in 98.
2: Yeah, which I kept saying, why is it Chips 99? And that always threw me. I, you know, it was... Uh, I had a good time being on it because it was real harmony. It was great to see Larry and Eric back together again. Uh, it was... Very mellow, you know. The whole idea was they were trying to int- they were trying to create a new TV series, right? And the idea was they were going to introduce two no- two new young officers, you know, who were sort of going to model after what John and Ponch had been. And in this particular instance, John and Ponch were sort of mentoring them, right? Sergeant Guitree had become the head of the Highway Patrol, and uh, I had become a detective. I, I was in a suit and stuff, and uh, it was. Uh, it was fun, you know, yeah. it, was, uh, it was great to get together with everyone and, uh, you know, it uh, unfortunately they weren't able to create a, a, another series out of it. And the movie, you know, Chips has been, you know, I cannot tell you how many times people have talked about the film Chips. Right. And, and the scripts that have been written that, that nobody likes and that the Highway Patrol won't agree to. And, uh, you know, because ships had a very special quality. And I don't know that that quality would fly today, you know, because people are are looking for something else, you know. But in its time, it's sort of that Southern California scene. It had the music. It had, the, you know, the culture. And it, it, had, the, it had Eric. Yeah. It had a lot
0: of charisma. Well, you know. It's just, uh and again, I'll keep saying it. I'm glad to have you on here because when I... We have a mutual friend, um, actor Michael Gaglio, and, um, yep. we were talking the other day, and he just happened to casually mention it to me. I said, seriously? No way. I said, I gotta talk to him because motel hell and chips. I mean, come on. That's two of the things that in my past that will stay with me forever. And, uh, you are doing a show today. Um, do you want to give the listeners an idea of what I'm talking about?
2: Well, you know, what happened was in uh, 86, a couple of years after Chip's ended, my first wife Francesca died of breast cancer and uh, leaving me bereft and a widower with three very small children. My, my children were six, three and one. And as it was a very, obviously, difficult and um, emotionally wrenching experience. At the same time, there was a whole other side to the experience, which was enlightening, for lack of a better term. And, um out of it, I wrote a one-man show, and, uh, to try to explain what the ten years of loving and losing Francesca were all about. And that show is, and was, called Time Flies When You're Alive, and I, uh, debuted that show at, on October 14th, 1987 and it was just supposed to be my catharsis and uh it was a big hit I mean it wound up an HBO showcase special in 1989 it was on Sunday night at 9 o'clock and what ultimately became the Sopranos time spot but you know and there I was doing my performance you know Roger Spottiswood Mm -hmm. uh the, the English director uh directed the movie of my play and uh it's available on Amazon. You can get Time Flies When You're Alive. It's, uh, the way I look at it, as thrilled as you are about chips and motel hell, uh, seriously, Time Flies When You're Alive is what I will leave behind. That is my legacy. That is, uh, it's hard to describe what it is, but I did it all over the country. I did it in Europe. It's being performed right now in Mexico and South wow. America. It's going to be done in France next year. Uh, it, it's the 25th anniversary of the first performance next year and I'm looking forward to uh, sort of performing it. Anyway, to make a long story short, out of doing that solo performance, that led me to a whole portion of my life that had to do not with television at all but with directing other people in one person plays. For example, I spent seven years with Charles Nelson Riley. Oh wow, Be great, me great. Uh, hilarious. And dear man, who I, I co-wrote and directed his his one-man show called "Statement for the Stage." There's a movie of it called "The Life of Riley," yep. which you can stream on Netflix. Anyone who's interested at all in acting should watch that movie because Charles is a true lesson in what it is to be an actor. I can't. I, 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 it's it's a it's brilliant because of him. Anyway. I also got to direct Ben Gazzara in a one-man show about Yogi Berra, and I got to work with many other artists and help them develop their story and put it on stage. Wow. I also went ahead and did a second piece called Life After Time for myself, which had to do with finding love again, because I'm married to the lovely and talented uh, Christine Healy. I've been married for 21 years, and we added a fourth child to the brood, Lily, who's a, off to college for first year college now and uh... i did a third piece called father time which was about my father richard o link who was andy griffith's partner and who was the producer of the all-time great television series the andy griffith show Wow! and now i'm working on a new piece which i did last night uh, mike gaglio our mutual friend produced it in the san fernando valley and i'm getting ready to do a series of performances in santa monica at the ruskin group theater uh, of a new piece called It's About Time and uh, it's my fourth solo show and this one is basically uh, dialogues on the end game and friends I've lost specifically my best friend John Ritter who uh, of course died uh, suddenly and still painfully uh, yeah. to remember in uh, 9-11-2003 That shocked the world. Yes, that was uh, uh, quite a rip. And so I'm exploring, as a boomer, because I'm 63, you know, as a boomer, I'm exploring the fact... uh, Oh, what I'm trying to do is... You know, the death is the elephant in the room. You know, it's... it's, uh, It's our ultimate connection. Right. Everyone, I mean... All of us have differences. Some are fat. Some are dyslexic. Some are happy. Some are astronomers. You know, some don't use credit cards. Some don't pay taxes. Right, Amish. But everyone is going to die. It's, it is yep. our ultimate connection, as I say, the tie that binds. And I think it's uh, it's actually a positive thing because, in a way, it should remind everyone to. Uh, I don't use this line in the play seize the day I mean it is I mean as I say the, the fact that we are going to die of the shadow of death uh, actually brings the preciousness of life into the light so I'm attempting to do a sort of humorous but sort of very real uh, look at some of the aspects of dying and uh, you know everything from uh, famous last words to very unusual ways that people died because there are some bizarre ones Tennessee Williams died choking on a bottle cap for example Wow and uh, it's hard to describe what it is but uh, I'm doing what I set out to do which is to make people uh, feel something right get them to think about something and make them laugh and uh, so that's what I'm working on right now while I still try to Get acting work. I got a commercial on the air right now, an Oreo's commercial, which has been playing a lot. Uh, and I have the last line in that commercial. I say, Franklin Delano <laughs> <laughs> Oreo cookie. It, Oreo's commercial, which is uh, you can YouTube that one. It's but it's really gotten a tremendous amount of play. And nice, that's, you know, fun for me. But uh, I you know I got to stay active. I can't wait for somebody to say they want me. You know, I, uh, I, I gotta, I gotta make art, make, make art, make
0: stuff. Well, it's it's you are a talent. Like you know, it's just amazing that to see you in Motel Hell and then to see you in Chips. You and know, you know
2: what else? I'm, you know what else I'm proud of, if I may say so. Uh-huh. In terms of that kind of stuff, is Parenthood.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: I think my work in Parenthood. You know, as an actor, many people. Many actors are looking at it, oh God I didn't like that I didn't like that but you know I, I I'm proud of what I did in Motel Hell very much so I'm really proud of what I did in Chips and uh, I was very proud of what I did in Happy Days loved Bruiser Bruiser was a great character yep and uh, but Parenthood you know that was that was special yep to get to work with Diane Weist and, Steve, and Martin. Steve Martin and uh, my God. Uh, now I'm having a senior moment, the the, uh, the older actor. Oh, my God. Yeah,
0: I know he... Oh, come on, now, help me. Um, yeah. He's one of our most famous actors. Yep, yep. Um, Jason Robards. Yes, Jason Robards, I can see... I mean, he was... God, was he a dirty guy?
2: He was hysterical.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard stories about him. He's a, a character. He was truly a character.
2: Yep. And Mary Steenburgen and... Rick Moranis... And yes, and Harley Jane Kozak, who's become a, a writer. You know, she's an author now. Yep.
0: Joaquin so, Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. He was a leaf back then, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Keanu. Yep.
2: yep. See, Keanu Reeves, I, when I showed up in Florida, Keanu Reeves, I remember, he had this huge motorhome, and he was sitting out in front of his motorhome on the steps to the motorhome, barefoot, Playing guitar, and I remember thinking, "Who is this kid? <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is this kid?" And boy, you know, he and he was he was nice, he was sweet. Oh my! And Clint Howard, yeah, Clint. Well, I, you know, I grew up around that family because of yep. the Andy Griffith Show, right? So, uh, and I play I played golf with Clint once. I st- and, and that family, I mean, my God, Rance and Gene Howard, the parents, when you think about all the children actors of all time, and you realize how almost all of them become, as my daughter says, drug addicts or, you know, something's really wrong with them, the, the kid stars, uh, Ron Howard and Clint are such normal people. Yep. It's all it's all a credit to Gene and, and, and Lance
0: Rance Rance Howard. They were just incredible parents. Well, I'm going to run down for listeners some TV show episodes that you're in, and it's kind of, it's, it's amazing. Policewoman in '75, Angie Dickinson. I played a retarded
2: kid in a cowboy outfit, and they were they were worried about a sniper. So that was the bit. They you know they they see a gun and it's
0: this retarded guy cowboy and here's one Lucille Ball special starring Lucille Ball and Jackie Gleason in 75 yeah they played my parents that was that was
2: an all timer because in that episode you know it was an hour special that Lucy produced and three different sketches and the the largest sketch the last one was the one I was in and it was basically uh, you know Working class family. I'm about to go off. I'm supposed to graduate and go to college. I don't want to go to college. I want to become a stand up comedian. Jackie wasn't playing Jackie. He was just playing a, you know, a blue collar dad. And uh, Lucy wasn't playing Lucy. She was just the mom. And uh, it's New Year's Eve, and the family always spends New Year's Eve together. And I have to tell them that I don't want to be home for New Year's Eve. And I want to become a stand up comedian. And. Nice. Uh, it was a great part, and uh, Lucille Ball fired Jackie Gleason in my presence. Really? <laughs> One of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. He, We were going to have a table read of our skit, skit and they were st- shooting another piece, and I was told to be at the set at 5 o'clock, and we would read it. So I show up, meet the girls by my sister. You see the table with all the waters, all the pencils, all the scripts, and so that we could read it and start work the next day so they they break the scene they're shooting to come to the table read and you hear jackie say
1: see you tomorrow
2: gary (laughs) and and he's gone well now there's no read-through because he's you know there's four of us in the read-through well lucy who was the boss was pissed she was very angry and all night long she stood so the next morning I'm on the downstage 8 a.m. and you hear the door open and you hear Gary what time can I go home today and the next thing you know you hear this screaming screaming Lucille Ball and the two of them go at it for about five minutes oh my and god with, with profanities and, yeah god you know and the next thing you know it's like I hear this Gary I'm walking of course Gary was Gary Marshall right Lucy's his husband and you hear the door slam he's gone you know because they they'd talking I'm calling my lawyer I'm calling my lawyer I'm calling your lawyer my lawyer I'm calling every lawyer you know and it's like so, <laughs> so the whole day we sit there and there's no work to be done because there's no problem and meanwhile it's all going on behind the scenes whatever's happening and uh, then the next day he's back and we did our scene, and he had like an eight-page monologue, and he didn't learn one word. It was all cue cards. He was a chain smoker, literally. I mean, I've never seen anyone smoke like that. He was such a chain smoker that he tried to convince the director that it was all right for his character to smoke in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie, it's a scene with your son. You you can't be smoking. (laughs) So finally, they go, all, right, I, all right, I won't. So here he's got all, he's, I'm, I'm standing there, he's got all the cue cards, you know, so he can read them, and I'm by the camera studying his every expression. So that when it's my turn, when the camera turns around on me, I'll be really, you know, it's a big chance for me, I want to be good, I'm really trying to be focused. And he's, he has a cigarette, and they go, we're rolling, and he, you know, exhales, and hands his cigarette off to his lackey who is kneeling just out of the frame and the minute he gets he puts cigarette out the minute he does that he puts a, the lackey puts a cigarette in his own mouth and has the lighter ready and so this the moment you hear cut it's light and he, and the cigarette is passed to Jackie and is in Jackie's mouth. I mean in less than a two seconds oh my gosh. And I was like, wow, this guy really is in the cigarettes. (laughs) And so we shoot, we shoot all day. And finally about four o'clock, three thirty, it's time for them to shoot my close up. And you hear, you hear, uh, you hear the director say, okay, we're coming around on Paul. And the next thing you hear right on beat is, see you tomorrow, Gary. And there I am, a young actor. It's like the whole world is is like uh, spinning around I'm going oh my god how am I going to do it I mean and the director sees the look in my eyes he comes over don't worry we'll have the script girl uh, read it and I was a young actor but right. I, I I still took a stand I said no that's not acceptable this is a scene with a father and a son I need a man and the the guy who wrote this scene was Joe Bologna Okay. straight Joe Bologna mm-hmm. and they called him he was upstairs in the office he came down and he did the scene with me he was the off camera voice and the point of that whole story is that when it was finally on the air and it was only on one time I would love to have a copy of that I mean, right. it was only on one time and it was it was my early days of acting I was living in Lower Canyon with a couple of other actors there were no BCRs you know there were no TiVos it just you saw it or you didn't right so, so it aired and it comes to the scene where Jack, you know, where Jackie has this, where I say, I want to be a comedian, and they cut to him, and he has this long eight page monologue. All edited out. Wow. His whole part was gone. <laughs> and I remember thinking as I watched it, aha, Lucy had the last word. Wow. <laughs> and she did That's a She was the boss, and she, you know, just cut him right out of that. Amazing.
0: And you also were on the Waltons in 1975. I was on the
2: Waltons, yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, not to sound too... I, I couldn't tell you what I played on the Waltons. Pete. I, honest to God. What I played, you know? Pete. I, but I'm saying, I don't know what that means.
0: Oh, that it, something. the episode was The Estrangement? Yes. That's all I that's all I know. Yeah, I can't remember. I know.
2: I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because... When it happens, when I was young, what, was, what year was that? Seventy-five. Yep. So what is that? Thirty-six years ago. I, you know, I remember getting it. I remember being excited. I remember the set. Uh, I remember seeing John Boy up close, and I loved Will Gear, of course. Yep. I did a lot of theater at his theater in He's awesome. He was. He's, he was. Uh, he was a one of those significant I I call him a member of my celestial choir you know those people who have come through uh, the
0: planet and who loved and believed in me and he's one of them right and of course Laverne and Shirley in 76 now I did the second ever episode of Laverne and Shirley and it was called
2: Bachelor Party I believe yep and the Fonz was on it because the Fonz did the first two episodes of Laverne and Shirley to try to get it Help give a sort of a uh, kickstart, and I've known Henry a long time. Henry's a, a great guy, and uh, in fact, my daughter was applying to college, as I called him up and asked if he'd write her a letter for Emerson. You know, mm-hmm. certainly came through. And yep, and she got in. She didn't go there, but
0: <laughs> well, then of course you're in Happy Days in '77. You mentioned that. Yep.
2: Well, that's the same character. They just brought yep. him back over to Happy Days and made him Bruiser. And I did a few episodes, and they considered bringing me in as a recurring. But, and I, I was one of, when they had the episode where there was a graduation, I was one of the kids that graduated, but that was the end of my, of my career with, the, with that show. of course, MASH. MASH, I got to uh, do a, a scene with Alan Alva, who said, MASH was interesting because the, the MASH set was the best set I was ever on. And by that I mean, my call was won. I'm there a little before one. At one, they say to me, We're so sorry. We're about 15 minutes behind. And they weren't kidding. You know, usually you go and you don't work for four, five, six, eight hours, ten hours. Traffic, I sat around I was cut out of it ultimately. I sat around for over 12 hours before I worked. I mean, you know, it's impossible. Right. But, so I did the match scene. So I go into the set. I'm in costume. I lay in the bed. Alan Alda comes up. I had like two lines or something, and Alan Alda leans over and says, "I'm Alan Alda." I said, "How nice to meet you." I'm Paul Link, and he looked at me. He goes, "How do you think we should play this scene?" And I went, "Man, this guy! What a gentleman!" And how smart of him because he's here all the time. Right. He's, he's running out of ideas. Maybe if he's asking enough people, maybe somebody will have an idea that he can use. I thought that was, I was very impressed with that. Right.
0: But a lot of things you've done, you know. I mean, of course, you go into the '80s, um, St. Elsewhere. I mean, a great yeah, TV you know. show.
2: I did a couple of those. In fact, uh, Matias who was one of the writers, producers, who went on to create John Macius, who went on to create um, Touch by an Angel and Providence. He uh, he knew my late wife. We, we were all friends and. Uh, there was an episode he wrote for me to do right after she died where I played a, a nuclear doctor dealing with breast cancer wow Benzig, I think was his name.
0: Mm. and of course That's it's a, a 21 Jump Street <laughs> I remember well, that, that was,
2: show that was incredible because I got to work with Johnny Depp I had a really good part I was up there for two weeks in Vancouver first time I ever saw Starbucks
0: oh wow because
2: Starbucks had not come to the states yet and I was walking, or I was staying at the Le Meridian. It's a really fancy hotel. In fact, they gave me the director's suite because the director was a local guy, so it was empty. So they gave it to me. So I had my own kitchen and stuff. And um, you know, you walk—I uh, can't remember the name of that main drag. There's one main drag. I can't remember that. But anyway, um, I was walking one morning, and I look, and there are all these people at this one place. In fact, there's a line out the door, and I go, hmm, what is that? Starbucks. So, I go over, I get in the line, (laughs) and I I wait in line, I go in, it's a coffee place, so this must be good. So, I said, i like a coffee, so, okay, I have my coffee. Next morning, I am in that line, I mean, it's like, and I'm there for two weeks. Now I come home to L.A., I'm like going crazy. Where do you? I mean, it was like it was like a drug. I mean, what the hell is this coffee? It was so good. Right. And when and when it finally came to L.A., you know, it was like it was like miraculous. <laughs> it was <laughs> like thank God because I wasn't sure I'd ever get another job in Vancouver. But uh but anyway, the other good thing about Vancouver was Johnny Depp because uh I gotta taste him. He is, you know, he's the nicest guy. Yeah. It's right here. He, uh, he, he, I mean, incredibly nice. I would give anything to work with him again. He, uh, he took me aside when they were talking and he, in the makeup trailer and he's, he mentioned the Pogues and, you know, the Irish band. Right. And I'd never heard of the Pogues. He says, You've never heard of the Pogues? No. He goes into his trailer, comes back, you know, gives me a cassette or whatever it was in those days. I don't know whatever we were playing in 1990 and uh, he was just that kind of a guy very giving Um, he was driving them crazy because he wanted to have his hair combed across his face so you couldn't see his eyes oh wow (laughs) so the producers were out of their minds trying to figure out how to get this guy because you know obviously that's why people watching the show but everywhere we went every time we set up a location um... There'd be hundreds of girls, women, at the sets. Johnny, 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 and I remember thinking, "Who the hell
0: is this Johnny guy?" You know, I, I'd never, <laughs> I never, seen, I'd never seen. I didn't know. Yep. And it was, he was, he's something. Yep. And another one. We're gonna move a couple of years. Um, Beverly Hills, nine hundred two one zero and ninety one. Yeah. yeah, that was fun because I got to play paddle tennis in that show, and uh, for years
2: and probably many of you. Are. Now, where are you based? Pennsylvania. Okay, so I'm sure none of your listeners probably have any sense or know about um, paddle tennis, but there's a game, it's like a short... They call it platform tennis in the East, uh, but we the Venice Beach and in Manhattan, believe it or not, and then some places in Florida have these... They're like smaller tennis courts with a shorter net, one serve you play with a punctured tennis ball and a and a wooden paddle. Oh wow. And it's like it scored like tennis. And uh, I was a, uh, a absolute paddle tennis junkie for 25 years. I played almost every day. Wow. And I I got to play it in that uh, episode of 90210. It It's fun. Nice. Like we I even got them to write into paddle tennis into an episode of Chips. <laughs> which is a lot of fun cuz I went down, had my trailer, you know. Yeah it up, played paddle
0: tennis, and I was finished, and I just stayed and played. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, um, you have a lot of things that people my age has grown up and seen, and it was a thrill to have you on today. I really appreciate well, you coming on. I'm grateful
2: on. for the time, Scott. I was, you know, love to, I'm never shy about talking, I'll tell you that. Uh, hey, it as makes... As can tell. It as, makes your, for, <laughs> as your
0: listeners can tell. <laughs> it makes for a perfect interview. Let's put it that way. Well, thank you um, so much. I want to give a special thanks to Michael Gaglio for yes. introducing me to you. I um, mean, when I found out, I about fell off the chair. I said, i got to have him on. I mean, so many things that I've grown up seeing that I had to have you on. And I'm hoping that the listeners, when they get a chance to listen to this, they also can reminisce, like I've been doing you know, since yesterday, so I talked to you about all the things that you're in, and reminiscing about chips and then, of course, Motel Hell, and quite a few episodes you're in and I'm you know I'm just glad to have you on I'm honored um, I deeply respect you for your work and to have this moment to talk to you well thank you so